Let's look this morning in our Bibles to the gospel according to Luke. And I thank the Lord for the spirit of God that's here this morning. And I want you to know whatever your needs may be, he can meet your needs this morning. And um, I thank the Lord that in the days that we live, that we have a church to come to and hear these good songs. You know, the message of the word of God is so much different than the message that you hear in the world. And, um, you know, it's amazing um, all the advancements that we've made as far as technology and science and medicine and travel and, you know, the discoveries we've made, it seems that the same things are just going on over and over again among man as far as war and turmoil. But I'm glad that you can find something in the Lord that you can't find in a science book or a math book or in this world. And I thank God for hope, don't you? And uh, the Bible says if in this life only we have hope, we're of all men most miserable. The reason people are so miserable today is because the only hope they have is in this life. I'm glad there's hope beyond this life. And um, I was talking to Brother Justin before church this morning and... um, I've heard some preachers uh, that preached on hell, and they did it in such a way that you thought they were glad that people went there. And I want you to know this morning, um, that's evil, that's wrong. I, and, and if I could choose, if I had a choice, I'd preach on other subjects, other topics, but the Lord's constrained my heart to preach on hell this morning. And uh, if you're here and you're saved, you don't need to just turn me off because we need to be reminded about hell. I believe it ought to do two things when a saved person hears preaching about hell. Number one, it ought to make us rejoice in our salvation. And thank God that Jesus delivered us from hell. And uh, and thank God that He tasted death for every man so that we wouldn't have to taste that death. And it also should not only cause us rejoice, but also should cause us to be burdened about our friends, families, loved ones, those around us. I know that it's not popular and I know that it's even been dismissed by some so-called theologians, but if you read the Bible, you'll find that after, after life, there's either eternal joy with the Lord or there's eternal death in hell. And this morning, I'm going to preach on a thought on the testimony of a dead sinner. The testimony of a dead sinner. Imagine this morning if we could hear someone testify from hell. That is exactly what happens in Luke chapter 16. I want to begin reading verse number 19. And I do covet your prayers this morning. And the devil doesn't like anything less than someone to preach on hell. And uh, I ask you to pray that the Lord would help me. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed. And there's a lot of debate about this, about whether it's a parable or whether it's uh, an actual event. But I believe it's true. Amen. Um, I believe that if this were a parable, Jesus would have said that it was a parable. And also, this is the only so-called parable where Jesus calls a man by name. But I want you to know this. People say that like if if it were a parable, then somehow... I want you to know, even if it were a parable, it's just as true as if it weren't a parable. Jesus is illustrating a truth. And and here He uses the story. He says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. 
This rich man, the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Help us pray today. Father God, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I pray you'd help me. Lord, I pray God that you would help me to preach as a dying man to dying men and women. I pray that there be a sober spirit today that we'd all realize that, Lord, life is short, eternity is long. The only thing that really matters is what we do with the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray if there's anyone here that has not repented of their sins and trusted Jesus Christ, I pray that the reality of hell would set it upon their heart. And I pray the Spirit of God would convict their soul. And I pray today they'd run to Jesus for refuge from this terrible place. Lord, I want to take a moment and thank you. As a 16-year-old boy, you paid for my sins. You washed them away. You wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I thank you, Lord, that I don't have to worry about hell anymore. But it burdens my heart that there's people in this room, there's people within a rock's throw of this church, that if they were to die today, they'd go to hell. And I pray you'd help me to have such a heavy burden. Help me to preach hell in such a way that it would be real to everyone that's here. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Help me now to preach it clearly. And Lord, with conviction, for it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. It has been said that the most shocking moment of a person's life will be five minutes after it ends. And uh, Dr. John R. Rice, I don't agree with everything he said, but I like this. He said there's going to be three types of people. And he said when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised he said, number one, we're going to be surprised that we're there. We're going to look around and say, you know what? <laughs> I made it. By the grace of God, I made it. He said, then we're also going to be surprised by who is there. We're going to look around and say, you mean he made it and he made it and she made it and they made it? I want you to know this morning, the grace of God abounds to sinners. Amen? The choir saying about there's mercy and more mercy and more mercy. I'm glad Jesus can save anybody that comes to Him by faith. But He said, we're also going to be surprised by who's not there. There's probably many a person. I want you to know this morning before I get into this. I want you to know that your church membership, your good works that you do, your baptism, your offerings or tithes you bring to the church and uh, partaking in the Lord's Supper and being a good citizen and being a good neighbor and, and doing all those things and trying to keep the Ten Commandments, that all of that can do nothing to keep you from going to hell. There's only one thing that can keep us from hell. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And this morning Jesus tells us here in Luke 16 about this uh, man that died a sinner. And He gives us His testimony. He gives us a glimpse, if you would. He pulls back the curtain. He pulls back the veil and allows us to see into the afterlife and see. Now we know in the Bible that there were certain men that the Lord allowed
allowed to see into heaven and, and allowed them to see into that part eternal, everlasting life and, and what's waiting for the child of God. Hey, but right here we see a man. Hey, the Lord lets us see what it's like to die lost and uh, to go to hell. And I want you to know this morning, uh, we need to get a better burden for the lost, a heavier burden. And realize that, listen, every man, woman, boy, and girl is going to one of those two places. Look in verse 19. The Bible says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate. I looked up, been looking, trying to do some more studies. That word laid means to cast down. I've always thought about it. Somebody cared for Lazarus and no, that's just where they threw him to get rid of him. And it says, and uh, he was full of sores, and his iron be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's tail. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. I believe this morning, if we're going to hear this testimony of this dead sinner, I want you to notice, first of all, there's a word about life. What is this word about life? We see in these verses we read a contrast, if you would, a, a great contrast in two lives. Uh, one being that of the rich man and one being that of the beggar. And if it ended in verse number uh, 21, if it ended uh, with, the, with the last statement where it says the dogs came, if it ended there, then we would all say, I want to be the rich man. I want to have that life. But I want you to know it don't end in verse 21. And I want you to know it don't end right here. There's something beyond this. And if the rich man was here, if he could testify to you, if God were to allow him to come to this church this morning, he'd say, I made some mistakes in my life. Amen. It's been said that no man is ready to live, prepared to live until he is ready to die. I want you to know this morning that this rich man, if he were to live in Dublin, Kentucky, if he were to live in western Kentucky, uh, I want you to know that he would be the type of man uh, that we would look at, that the world would look at, and say, boy, he's got it made. Uh, man, he's somebody we ought to be like and want to be like. But I want you to know this morning, there's another set of eyes watching our lives. I want you to see the enjoyment of his life. He said in verse 19, he was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He enjoyed great possessions. He said he was clothed in purple and fine linen. That, that was the costliest garments a person could wear. They, they would get this dye from the worms and they'd get it from the fish, these mollusks. And they had three different tones of purple. The high priest wore a purple garment. It was the highest. So it's talking about his possessions. He had great possessions. And I want you to know, I don't believe we've ever had a time where people have had more than they have right now. Uh, we've got more money and more houses and more cars and more things than we've ever had before. I want you to know that this lost man, this lost sinner, he enjoyed some things in his life. It said he fared sumptuously. That means to make merry, brilliantly. It means to enjoy. It means that he enjoyed everything, every day. I want you to know this morning, the worst thing can happen to a lost person is to be able to coast through life and never suffer. Coast through life and have everything they want. Coast through life and just live it up. I want you to know, I believe when we get to heaven, that we're going to thank God for the problems we had, the burdens we had. A lot of times we sit there, when I was a kid, I used to think about, you know, people that had money and all. Man, what would it be like? 
uh, to be their son? What would it be like to live in that house? And uh, what would it be like to enjoy those things? Uh, I want you to know I thank God He allowed me to grow up in a single white on a dirt road. Amen? Where we didn't have much, but we knew who they, my mom and daddy had God and they took me to church. Uh, they didn't teach me to love money and to love wealth and to love things. They taught me to love God. Amen. The enjoyment of His life. This man was a glutton. That word fear, it also means, it implies gluttony. He just feasted on pleasure. I want you to know, I believe our country is a glutton for pleasure. I mean, how much pleasure do we really need? How much enjoyment do we really need to have? Most people go to bed at night trying to, thinking about what they're going to do to have fun the next day. And when they wake up, the first thing they think about is what can I do for me? What can I do to have a, what can I do to feel good? What can I do to uh, get something else, to have something more? When they go to work, they're working the thing. If I work an extra hour, if I work an extra shift, if I work, if I work on the holiday, if I work on Sunday, I can get that double time. And then I can do this and I can have that. This man, I want you to know this morning he had an enjoyable life. But I want you to see the ending of his life. If you were to take this beggar Lazarus and this rich man, I want to ask you something. If you were to go survey, let's just say the boys in this area from 10 to 14 years old, how many of you think would, would say, I want to grow up and be like the beggar? None of them. I'd say, Brother Justin, hey, probably named the elementary school after this rich man. I'd say them little boys, when they were going to school, Drew, they'd look at that big fancy gate outside uh, his house and they'd listen and hear the party going on. Uh, they'd hear stories about all the fine food he had and all the big get-togethers and the fun they had. And them boys probably went to school and told their teachers one day, I want to grow up and be like him. Nobody looked at Lazarus with his ribs sticking through his chest and said, I hope I grow up one day and I'm a beggar. I hope one day I grow up and I don't have nothing. I hope one day I grow up and I'm covered in sores and the dogs are licking after me and nobody desired the life of Lazarus. But I want you to know this morning that what the world envies is not what we should envy and want. Right. Amen. Amen. I've read story after story and you have too and heard stories about men and women who had the opportunity to have great riches and great wealth. I think about C.T. Studd. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was uh, back in the day, back in the early 1900s, he was uh, uh, the Michael Jordan of, of cricket in England. He was uh, one of the greatest ones that ever played. His daddy was a multi-millionaire. Uh, they went to school at Cambridge. Uh, the highest education you could have. There were seven of them. They, call, uh, they called themselves the Cambridge Seven. Uh, they got saved. They got right with God. And they dedicated their lives to go to China to be missionaries. They dressed up every day in, in China gar garments like Chinese wear. And they tried to get others to go with them. Uh, and then C.T. Studd, he got married and left college and went to China. Uh, while he was in China, his daddy died. And when his daddy died, he left him millions of dollars. Now this is back when, I mean, if we keep going the right we're going, a millionaire ain't going to be nothing. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have a million just to fill up your tank and get groceries. 
But C.T. Studd, they, they sent for him and he went home, uh, Brother David, to, uh, to the funeral and, and, and he was the only son, the only child. He received the entire inheritance. It was millions of dollars. They said before he ever got on a boat to go back to China, he gave away 90% of his inheritance to missions. He come back to China and he deeded the rest of the last 10% to his wife and his wife turned around and gave that 10% away. And somebody asked C.T. Studd, they said, how in the world? Why would you do that? Why? You had the opportunity to have everything you could ever want and you gave it all away. He said, how can I? If I truly believe that God died for my sins on the cross, if I truly believe that Jesus Christ was God and He died for me, how can I hold back anything from Him? And everybody want to be like the rich man. I want you to know this morning, just because people look at you and say, boy, I wish I had their life, it doesn't mean you have the right life. And we, you know, I remember it, when I was, it was this, the whole, the whole mindset was be your own person. Be different. Now it seems like it's totally opposite. Everybody wants to be the same. Everybody wants to be the same. And everybody's trying to have the same things and be able to have the same uh, social standing and be able to look at. I want you to know this morning, it does not matter what people think when they look at our lives and they look at us and they, they, they measure us and they, they try to quantify our life. Uh, the quality of your life is not based on what you have. It's based on who you are. I want you to see the ending of his life, verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. Here it is. The rich man also died and was buried. The ending of his life. The Bible doesn't say how he died, but he died. He could have had an accident. Maybe somebody was jealous of him and they murdered him. It could have been he died from poor health. Somebody might have poisoned him. I don't know. Maybe he had an accident. Maybe he fell out of a window. I don't know. Maybe he died in his sleep. But all we know is... His life came to an end. And all the money in the world cannot buy you one second of time when death comes. I believe it was Bloody Mary, Queen Mary of England when she was on her deathbed, one of the most wicked rulers there's ever been. She's got some good competition in America today, but anyhow, she was one of the most wicked. I said I wasn't going to say nothing, but I can't help it. But anyhow, she was wicked. She killed Bible believers. She killed Christians. She hated us. She hated John Knox. She persecuted him, chased him out. But anyhow, when she was dying, she said this. She said, I'd give all the wealth of England for but one more moment of time. This rich man died, and we're all going to die. I believe this, and I'm going to hurry. I believe that in every person there's an innate fear of death. Now follow me. I believe that is a grace, a common grace that God gives to man. What if there was no fear of death? Would we ever look to Jesus? Do you know the Bible says in Romans uh, chapter Romans chapter number 2 and verse 15 that the law of God is written in their heart. And, and by the law of God, we understand the law of God tells us that if we sin, that there's a price to pay. That if we do wrong, there's judgment to come. And I believe that there's an innate fear not only of death, but of punishment after death. 
You can go back and look in the caves where they drew those pictures and, 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 the, and the tribes and in the jungles and places where uh, in third world countries and you'll find that every religion, every false religion and man there is some type of fear of death. And people will give all they have. They'll give everything they have just to have another day, just to have another year. But I want you to know it all ends the same way. It all ends in death. It says they carried Lazarus that wasn't buried. They, I mean, they took old Lazarus out there and threw him in Gehenna. That's where they took the poor when they died. They wouldn't bury them. They'd throw them out there in Gehenna. That's where Jesus was looking when He says, The worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. That fire in the valley of Gehenna burned all the time and the worms would eat Oh, Lazarus, they carried him out and threw him out there in that, that pit of dead bodies for his body to be burned and consumed by worms. They took the rich man and dressed him up. Why do you think we go to so great lengths to make a funeral look like a happy thing? And we dress them up and everybody comes by and just talks about, I want you to know death is death and death is sure and death is coming. I want you to know this one, this rich man probably thought he wasn't going to die. One of the greatest lies the devil's ever told is you're not going to die. You'll have more time. And for the most part, most people never die on the day they plan to die. They didn't wake up one morning and say, this will be the day I die. This will be the day I meet the Lord. This will be the day I step off in eternity. The devil tells them, you've got another day. You'll have another chance. You'll have another opportunity. But don't you know death's coming? Romans 5, 12 says, death has passed upon all men. Romans 6, 23 says, the wage of sin is death. Ezekiel said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Hebrews 9, 27, where is the point of a man wants to die? And after this, the judgment, I'm not trying to be mellow. I'm not trying to be negative but I want you to know if Jesus does not come uh, there will be a day when they roll my body in and they plant my body in the ground uh, and all that's going to matter is was I right with God death the life of this rich man if he was here he'd say oh I had a wonderful life I had everything I wanted but if I could go back I believe he'd say this I'd trade in that purple coat. I'd trade in that fine linen. I'd trade in that. I, I believe if he had gone, if he was here this morning, he'd say this, I'd rather been Lazarus than been me. You see, Lazarus, uh, men didn't carry him away, but the angels of God did. <laughs> Amen. Uh, they carried him into Abraham's bosom in paradise. And I want you to know, the world laughs and mocks and ridicules us. Uh, they think we're nuts. And they're right about a few of us in here. There's one we heart. Uh, but anyhow, uh, they think that we're just living some type of miserable life. I want you to know that thank God this life when it ends, it gets better for the child of God. Amen. The life of this man. Look at verse 23. I want you to see the longings of the rich man. If the rich man were here and you say, what do you long for? It wouldn't be for more land. It wasn't, he didn't ask for a nice coat, but look what he longed for. Verse 23, or verse 24, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. You see, in life, the rich man had everything and Lazarus had nothing. In death, Lazarus had everything and the rich man had nothing. You know how much you're going to be able to take, to, take with you after death? 
in hell. Look what he prayed for. He said, verse number 24, Have mercy on me, Father Abraham. Have mercy on me. Uh, this is the first thing he longs for, is mercy from the Father. He said, Lo, have mercy on me. Uh, he realized, listen, by asking for mercy, he didn't say have grace, give me grace. He said, have mercy. Uh, by saying have mercy, what he was doing, he was, he was acknowledging, he was admitting that he was he deserved to be there. But it was too late for mercy to be found. I want you to know this this morning. If the Holy Ghost were to allow a preacher to give a gospel invitation in hell one time, everybody in hell would get saved before the first verse of the first verse of the song. Why is that? Because they realize now that they were not as good as they thought they were. They said they were. They were not. And, and, and he said, I need mercy. Oh, listen this morning. Do not think that you can die lost without Jesus and find mercy when you die. There is no more salvation for you. There is no more mercy for you. When you die lost without Jesus Christ, you'll suffer and pay for your sin for all eternity. But He wanted mercy from the Father. And He said in verse 24, Send Lazarus, he may dip the tip of his finger in water. He wanted moisture from Lazarus' finger. Listen to this. In life, that bread, they tell me that in Bible times, they didn't use forks and spoons and knives. Kind of like people from Alabama. Damn, I'm sorry about Mike. But, they, they, and they didn't have napkins. And what they'd do, they'd take stale bread. When it got old, they'd use it for a napkin. They'd wipe their hands with it. They'd, they'd wipe that grease and all that off, and then they'd throw it out for the dogs. You know, them dogs that was licking them sores, they didn't come to lick, they come for the bread. But here, now thought, think about this. What a transition, what a change in, in place. Now, the Lazarus had been sitting out there eating the bread that was dirty by the hands of the rich man. But now the rich man is asking for that beggar just to dip his finger in water and come and lay it upon his tongue. In life, he could buy anything he wanted. But in death, he could not buy a drop of water. I'm saying to you this morning, the longings of hell, I believe that he's still longing for it today. I believe he's just as thirsty now as he was then people say oh hell's not a real place it's just a state of mind it's just a it's just a, a spiritual thing where uh, people are spiritually tormented I want you to know that spirits can't drink water and spirits ain't got tongues to be cold with water he said send Lazarus uh, to cool my tongue verse 25 he says Abraham said son remember What's he longing for? The long is he's longing for memories to be forgotten. He said, "Remember, he was tormented by his conscience." Just as listen to this, you can argue with this if you want, but this is Bible truth. Just as the child of God will be resurrected one day and given a body prepared for everlasting life, the sinner will be resurrected as well. And given a body prepared for everlasting torment. Right. Revelation 20.12 John said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. 
He didn't see a bunch of bones. He saw men. Think about this. When the child of God, one day soon, very soon, I believe with all my heart, Jesus is going to come again. And the grave, the grave's going to be emptied out here. Every child of God that's died are trusting in Jesus Christ. Everyone that's been planted in the hopes of a resurrection is going to come forth. And the corruptible body will put on incorruptible. And the mortal will put on immortality. And we're going to receive a glorified body. Why do we have to have a glorified body? Because we couldn't enjoy a glorified world without a glorified body. I believe that glorified body tells us it's going to be like Jesus. I believe it's going to be our minds are going to be so sharp. Our hearts are going to be so pure. <laughs> Think about that. And I mean, listen, it's going to be wonderful. God's going to equip us with a body prepared for everlasting life. But for the sinner... God's going to have them a body prepared for everlasting damnation. And I believe the lost person in hell will remember. They'll remember the prayers of their parents. They'll remember the sermons they heard preached, the invitations they were given. They'll remember the gospel tracts they found on their door and in their car. They'll remember that kid in school who bowed their head and prayed before their lunch and everybody made fun of them. They'll remember it. They'll remember coming in churches like this and, and sitting under gospel preaching and walking out. And listen to me this morning. I believe if you could ask the rich man, what are you wanting, rich man? What are you longing for? It's say I wish I could forget I wish I could forget I wish I could forget those good things those good things I had in my life verse 27 31 I'm just going to give you all this I'm about done what's he longing for he longed for a missionary to his family he said I pray thee therefore, Father, that I would have sent him to my father's house. For I have five brethren. He may testify unto them, lest they also, lest they also come into this place of torment. The greatest burden for missions in the world is in hell. If we only could see it from their point of view, oh, what did he want? He said, go. He said, oh Lord, if you can't help me, would you at least send Lazarus? Send Lazarus so he can go tell them. And he said, if one comes, rise from the dead, they'll believe. But I want you to know there has been one that rose from the dead. His name was Jesus Christ. And yet still people don't believe. The Bible says this in Romans 14, 7, for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. Very few go to heaven alone. I believe you get saved, you won't take people with you. And very few go to hell alone. You see, I believe he was longing for this because he knew that he had lived his life in such a way that his five brethren were on the same road that he had been on. They were going down the same track. He had taught them how to wheel and deal. He had taught them how to trade and buy and sell. He had taught them how to be a businessman. He had taught them how to have wealth and riches. In fact, when he died, more than likely he left his riches to those five brethren. He said, Oh, Father Abraham, would you send a missionary to my family? say don't come here you got to be a real sick person to want to take your family to hell everybody says oh I'm my own person 
I'm doing my own thing. I'm not, I'm not hurting nobody. You're hurting more people than you realize. And oh, how we should be burdened and challenged but to know that this man tormented in the fires of hell is begging God to send a missionary up to his lost brethren here on earth. And here we are this morning. I wonder how many untold millions are in hell right now and saying somebody go knock on their door and somebody go pick them up and somebody tell them so they don't come here too. Amen. I want you to see the loss of this rich man. I'm done. The poorest man on earth is the one who only has money. This rich man lost it all. Mark 8.35 For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel the same shall save it. Jesus said also in Mark chapter 8 he said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I want you to know this rich man gave, uh, gave in. Uh, uh, he, he went after money. He went after wealth and he forfeited his own soul. What did he lose? He lost his fortune. You see, when he died, somebody else moved into that house. Somebody else put on that coat. Somebody else sat at that table and ate his bread. I want you to know this morning we can take nothing with us when we leave here. Monetarily speaking, that's been said. I know when there's all kind of little puns and sayings about coffins and banks, banks trucks and all that. I understand. But I want you to know when he died, when I die, when you die, we'll write no more checks. We'll, 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 we'll sign no more deeds. We'll, we'll make no more transactions. We'll make no more withdrawals. When we're gone, somebody else will spend our money, whatever. I feel sorry for whoever they are trying to spend my But anyhow, for, but anyhow, but listen to me. Uh, listen, he lost his fortune. Can you imagine going down there to hell and saying, hey, here, do you want this coat? He said, I don't need a coat. I'm burning up. Hey, what about this house? No. No, I believe in hell. He realized, listen, he realized he had lost his all. He lost his fortune. He lost his family. He showed them how to get rich. But he didn't show them how to get to heaven. He lost his future. I believe this man is in hell today. And I believe like a broken record, for 2,000 years he's been crying. Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. I want you to know in hell your worst fears will be re re realized. I don't know all about it and I'm glad God didn't tell us all about it because we probably wouldn't be able to sleep at night if we knew all about it. I do know that there's a third of the angels of heaven fail with Lucifer. And I know the Bible teaches us that some of those angels are reserved in hell. If you want to see what those angels look like, go to the book of Revelation. You'll find they're some of the scariest creatures that man has ever seen. Can you imagine being trapped in a place out of darkness, fire, and those beasts in that pit with you? It's an awful place. 
His future. What's his future? Well, here, here's what the Bible says. 2 Thessalonians 1 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord? You see, if you went to hell for a year or for 10 years or a thousand years or a million years, you might be able to handle it, but it goes on and it goes on. Did you know this morning that 2,000 years later, the rich man has not paid enough for one sin? The debt's the same. Matthew 25, 41, Then shall I say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye curse and everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil's angels. You know in hell, you're going to be in a place that you weren't meant to be. I know Calvinists don't like this, but it's the truth. The Bible says that he prepared hell for the devil and his angels. You ever go somewhere you just feel out of place, you just don't feel like you belong? I'm not going to say much, but last year, I believe it was, or the year before, I can't remember, I got invited to this thing and I didn't want to go. It was a, a Halloween thing, a fall festival thing. I knew I'd been trying to witness this man, trying to get, and he had begged me, begged me to come. I, took, I think Drew's the one that went with me. And I told this story before, but I'll tell it again. From the moment I got there, I knew I was a fish out of water. And the longer I was there, the more uncomfortable I got. Once the music got blaring, I'm talking about it, I just sat there thinking, oh God, give me an excuse to leave. Lord, give me something that I can just, I don't, I didn't want to offend. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to close the door on witnessing to these folks. Uh, and, uh, my, 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 my get out of there free cars when a man come in there dressed as a priest. I said, there you go. That's all I need. And he started trying to cross me, you know. I said, buddy, if you do that one more time, I said, I'm going to knock that thing off your head. I told him that. But I'm just talking about you feel out of place. About like Brother Hobbs at a fashion show. Just feels out of place. <laughs> at a beauty contest. He just don't belong there. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I could go on, but I'm not going to. I don't want to be too, too, too much here. But there's a lot... Flooding my mind. But don't you know nobody in hell feels like they belong there. They feel out of place. They feel, oh, and listen to me. They, they sit there and they think, oh, if I just turn to Jesus, if I just repent of me, I got good news for you. You don't have to go to hell. Amen. What would he do if he were here today? He'd get saved. Amen. I, you wouldn't have to twist his arm. You would have to offer him a Tootsie Roll or a, a blow pop or a popsicle or a hot dog or a hamburger. If he was here this morning, he would come to this altar. He would repent of his sins. He would trust the Lord Jesus Christ. But I've got news, he can't come. But you can. Amen. Jesus suffered and died on hell, suffered hell on the cross so that you wouldn't have to. The price has been paid. The demands of the law have been met. The pardon is available. Nobody will die and go to hell and point their finger at Jesus and say, I had no choice. Fatalist says that they have no choice, but I believe they do. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, their mouths will be stopped and they'll be without excuse. If that's true, if that's true, and I believe it is, it's the Word of God. I believe that if Jesus predestined people to hell, predetermined them to hell before they were born, they'd have a pretty good excuse why they were there. But they're without excuse. If you're here this morning you're not saved, you're without excuse, you can be saved. If you're here and you are saved, I want to ask you something this morning. Think about those in hell that are begging, praying, go sin, go. Somebody go. Somebody go. By the way, we've all been sent. Did you know that? We've all been sent. 
Jesus said in John 20, he said, as, I, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. Why did the Father send Jesus? But Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And listen this morning, we have a commission, we have a command. We, and listen, we ought to be motivated by the thought that right now there's millions and millions and millions praying that somebody will go find their family.